Welcome to Madcasters, episode 14, on what you need to know about eating disorders. You have just tuned in to the difference makers of a new generation. If you want to learn how to make a difference in your life, if you want the skills in order for you to impact your communities, Madcasters is your podcast. I invite you to get ready because this is the launch pad for you to go mad. What's going on, everyone? It's your host, Brian St. Louis, BSL, and we're here with another episode of Madcasters where we learn how to make a difference. I believe that the only way to effectively impact our world is to first progressively change the way that we see ourselves. That mindset transformation will launch us to enhance our holistic lifestyle and subsequently impact the world. So here, you will get the necessary tips, stories, and inspiration to learn how to make a difference in your life and in turn, impact the world be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast we're basically everywhere from apple itunes google and if you would like to support this channel even more you can become a patreon supporter that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash madcasters and you can choose whichever tier you would like to help support this channel even more the more supporters we get in this realm equates to more episodes launched every week and so if you see value in what we're doing in madcasters become a patreon supporter thank you to all those who are currently supporting and to those who will be supporters our special guest today is Stephanie Fencannon, and she is a body positive nutritionist and self-love coach that teaches people like you to love yourself and your body unconditionally. Today's episode, we dive a lot into the concept of eating disorders and how you and I can be advocates for those who are dealing with them and also ways to be aware. And so with this week being Eating Disorder Awareness Week, we definitely wanted to have Stephanie Fincannon on our show. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on the Madcasters podcast, where we focus on making a difference in our lives and those around us. Stephanie Fincannon, you are an amazing individual I got a chance to to speak with. You're a nutritionist, you're a self-love coach, you're a part of a, a nonprofit organization. You also do a little bit more on your side as well. But when I when I read up on you, I just felt like there was something there that I needed to know more about and and to learn and understand and how to bring value uh, to us as a society. And so I'm really glad that you came on the show. Stephanie, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself, who you are and kind of what got you to this journey? All right. Thank you so much for having me. And that's very nice of you. You make me sound like an amazing person <laughs> off the bat. I love that. Um, so yeah, my name is Stephanie. I am located in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Um, I have um, a couple of things going on, as you put it, Brian. I, uh, my full-time gig is working as a health educator for a not-for-profit organization here in Windsor, Essex. It's the Bulimia Anorexia Nervosa Association, or BANA for short. Okay. Um, and it's an or- a mental health organization there that is focused on the diagnosis and treatment of eating disorders. And my role there is to do a lot of the community outreach. So that means doing lots of presentations in our community that have been virtual now during COVID mm-hmm. um, and educating on some of those myths and misconceptions that exist about eating disorders. 
Um, and we also do prevention work within the schools. So talking to youth about things like self-esteem and body image. So mm-hmm. it's a really um, rewarding role, I would say, and I've learned a lot. And then my personal story is I'm also a, or my personal gig is I'm also a nutritionist. I'm mm-hmm. trained on the, as a holistic nutritionist. And um, prior to that, I actually worked as an occupational therapist in traditional oh. healthcare. Yeah. So I feel, yeah. And I feel like my bo- role at BANA has melded those two trainings together because it's traditional healthcare, but then also um, a focus in nutrition and the messaging about eating disorders and, um, you know, self esteem and eating all kinds of foods really align with uh, me as a person and me as a nutritionist. So I do see clients for one-on-one consults uh, through my website, www.stephaniefink.com. And I'm really, you put it as I'm a self-love health coach, and I'm really passionate about that because, Mm -hmm. you know, when I kind of unpacked all this and looked at the layers, for me, it comes down to finding those things you really love about yourself and giving yourself that attention and energy um, because if you're not doing that, you can't live your life to the fullest Um, and it does really hold you back. So there can be a lot of suffering there. So um, I feel like all of my gigs do go together in some way um, and I'm, it's part of my purpose. Well, that's awesome. I I think, the more you love what you do, the better you're going to do it for anyway. And so to, to know that you have these desires and it's something that brought all of them together, you know, you're going to end up, you know, being the best in what whichever field that is. And for you, uh, it's, it's dealing with uh, um, eating disorders, is working through this nonprofit and and working in your craft in this in this way. What? What kind of inspired you to get into this? Was there something that happened? What inspired you to get into this specific focus of of eating disorders? Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer that question, I think I'll go back to my own health experience, which is mm-hmm. what led me to being a nutritionist. And okay. um, in high school, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, which is um, an endocrine disorder mm-hmm. where your thyroid, which is responsible for metabolism, um, maintaining a healthy weight, um, lots of other things in your body as well, like digestion and even um, mood mm-hmm. and anxiety, things such as that. So um, mine was functioning lower. And that happened mm-hmm. in high school where in adolescence, you're definitely developing your body image and your sense of yeah. self and how you feel about yeah. you. So it's a difficult time to be diagnosed with that because everything I did that I was taught that was healthy, like, you know, perhaps that involved restricting or exercise, living a healthy lifestyle, everything I did, I wasn't really seeing my body respond in the appropriate way. Mm. Um, So I then looked into more natural means to, um, to deal with some of these issues, especially like the mood um, difficulties and trying to get my weight to a place where it wasn't fluctuating so much. I went to a naturopath and I found a lot of success in that. Mm. Um, I did continue to use also a medication, but I found a lot of benefit in um, the natural means and Mm. some lifestyle changes. 
So for me, like changing my diet and taking some supplements really did benefit me and I saw more results. Um, Yeah. And so for me, like nutrition then became my passion. Mm. And I went to school for nutrition in Toronto. Um, And definitely it aligned well with everything that I felt worked with for my body and hypothyroidism. Um, That being said, when in the nutrition world, there's so much information, right? And some of it is is following really strict diets, or it's a lot of telling you what to do, and this is going to work for your body. Um, But so that part of it kind of didn't coincide with my beliefs, because I was thinking, well, everyone's so different. And if one thing happened for me, for me and worked for me, that's not going to work for the next person, because we're all so different. And we need to learn more about tuning into our bodies, because Mm -hmm. I think that's really what what it's all about. Um, So I did my nutrition school, and I definitely swung on the healthy, uber healthy side of things for a while. Um, And I came, I was living in Toronto, and then I came back home. And I'll say that eating disorders sort of found me. But I also think the universe was at play, because it kind of knew what I had been Mm. through in terms of my own health, and then my nutrition training. Um, So the messaging that now I promote, including things like, you know, tuning into your body, listening intuitively to what it needs, um, eating all kinds of foods, because, you know, you do need those treats for your mental health as well. It all kind of uh, came together for me, I'll say. So eating disorders did sort of find me, I'll say, but I've, I've uh, ran with it. (laughs) You know, I find it so interesting that, uh, a lot of the people who I've interviewed and you included, typically the reason why you, you find yourself in a certain certain path or a certain purpose is because of certain things that you've gone through yourself. And so having dealt with those things, you're looking to help ameliorate uh, not just your life, but everyone else around them. So I just, I just love that overall theme. You know, we're yeah. seeing people who are just like, oh, you know, I've dealt with this pain. I've dealt with this issue in my life. And so I'm trying to make sure that I can do everything that I possibly can to to help others to learn more about what this means, you know, to, and for you, that's, you know, I want to be a nutritionist in order for others to have the healthiest lifestyle, to be able to uh, understand what a proper diet could do for your mental health, could do for your for your body, for, for yourself in, in a holistic sense. And, you know, it it just amazes me that, you know, there really are people out here in this world who truly, truly care. And and there's more than we think. So I'm really so I, I just want to say, you know, kudos to you, because that, that shows a lot about your character, number one. And number two, you're doing a, a fantastic job in 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 this yeah. in this field. So for so for much. nutrition for you. Um, and, and the whole concept of eating disorders, you're saying that eating disorders found you, what is it that you're doing necessarily in this, in this aspect for, for, for your communities, for Ontario, for Toronto? Mm -hmm. Um, so in my professional role, my full-time gig, it's more of that education piece Mm. and, um, like eating disorders awareness week is coming up. So it's a lot of outreach and getting that information and accurate information to the community so mm-hmm. that eventually perhaps there'll be more money funded for this area of mental health 
in order to put money into prevention um, mm. because it really is when it comes to eating disorder prevention, it really is something that has to begin uh, at a young age for people. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a, you know, the whole village is kind of on the same page in order yeah. for us to see results long-term, which yeah. we probably have a long way to go with that in Canada, but um to be optimistic, we have yeah. to look at that, that what we can do. So um, really for me, that whole piece of education and prevention is super important because the more people know, the more money that will be funded for it. And like our government will give more money to it. And also um, we'll see less people in pain. And then on the side, seeing clients and being t- having that one-on-one with them and using my talents that I have in connecting with people and kind mm-hmm. of showing that empathy and then providing the hope as well and the yeah. skills that I do have when it comes to food. That's important to me as a uh, individual and as a person because I'm, I'm kind of doing that community outreach, but I also have to be grounded and talk to people who have lived experience because I think through people's stories is where we really learn all of those intricacies of how this really impacts their life, like financially, socially, uh, physically, mentally, because it's such a complex thing. Why why hasn't the government funded much of, of the eating disorder um, education or prevention matters at this point? Is this not a prevailing issue in, in, in our country? Uh, it definitely is a prevailing issue, but there's a lot of different factors. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, one being, you know, mental health is getting a lot more money, but for a long time, it did not. Yeah. Um, and eating disorders, because there's that physical element to it, um, it mm-hmm. is a little, there's a little confusion involved in that. And for some reason, within prevention, it's kind of been not, it's under the umbrella of mental health disorders, but it also has that physical thing. So it's um, not always provided enough funding that it needs, mm. I would say. Okay. Um, it's estimated that the 1 million Canadians experience eating disorder. 1 million? Yes. And also, that was from a stat from the Statistics Canada 2016. Um, oh, so it, it's also quite old of a statistic. Yeah. It's hard to gather this information, too, because a lot of for one, it's underreported because of mental health stigma and secrecy about having an eating disorder. Also, um, th- that stat specifically, it only took into account anorexia mm-hmm. and bulimia, but we know there's a binge eating disorder and a variety of different um, other eating disorders that weren't taken into account. And um, also, um, people aren't coming forward with the eating disorder or they're um, presenting in a certain way. They might tell their doctor right. one thing about it, and then it, it's kind of cast as something more medical. So that's why, you know, medical is getting, again, more money because it's not really, it's really difficult for sometimes the doctor to recognize it, or maybe the client's not really coming forward with the specific reason. Mm. So there's so much involved. It's really complex. Um Although we are seeing changes, uh, mental health is getting more money, and more recently, eating disorders was included in that, at least in our province. Yeah, um, in great. that, but um, I mean, you and I both know money makes the world go round, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. if it it's really is needed, and like I said, it's one of those things that's needed early on in some in a child's life as well. 
You're about to educate us on this today because I got some questions. So you're saying over a million people for sure that are that are now and that's the stats. So those are not necessarily everyone who comes out and actually says that they're having a, uh, an eating disorder. How many of those numbers are are found with youth? Hmm. You know what? I don't that's probably not including youth, that stat. Because that's not including youth. That would be my initial thing to say um, mm. about that, because if it was like reported with Statistics Canada, I'm going to assume it wasn't. But I, don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, okay. I, I will say that we see like a trend going on that younger and younger, younger people are feeling the need to change their body shape, weight, size, appearance. And I think mm-hmm. a big part of that is social media and the media and what they're being exposed yeah. to. Um, yeah. And but out of usually in terms of women and men, um, when we look at everyone who has an eating disorder, typically it's about twenty percent of that population. So if um, we're we're saying you know we, we're looking at everyone who has an eating disorder in Canada, twenty percent would be men versus women. And often people don't realize that either. It's it's they don't discriminate, so it can happen to men, women, um, all genders, all classes, and all mm-hmm. ages as well. So in adolescence is where we might see them appear. However, children are making assumptions about food due to their what they're being told um, about their bodies due to comments being made about. Um, their appearance as well and if it's a desirable thing or not very much younger so let's be real for a second here as well almost every movie or every show that shows some sort of issue with eating disorders we never see men we never see a man dealing with that but you're telling me that 20 percent of of um of the million and so that's 200,000 <laughs> individuals. Uh, if, once again, that, that number is correct, that's 200,000 individuals who are men dealing with eating disorders. Why is the disparity so so large in our... It, and, of course, this is according to your own thoughts, but so large in our media that it's only focusing on women, like it's a woman issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, that's an interesting question as to why it's not represented more. Traditionally, for some reason, it's been painted as um, this, you know, adolescent, young, white, female uh, disorder, but that isn't the case. And maybe that's just because, well, I think it's just because the media has first, like, caused that problem and then perpetuated it by not including mm-hmm. men in the conversation as well as other marginalized groups. Like we, we know it's a concern for um, the LGBTQ plus community or, um, mm. or racialized community, but their stories aren't told often as well. Um, right. So I think it's a media thing to be honest. Um, perhaps it started that way where more women because what they see in the media and the way they're socialized, they have more concerns about their body. But we know now that everyone has body image issues, you know, whether you, whatever you look like, whatever shape, size you are, color, we all, we're not immune. And we're going to have days where we don't feel good about it. And for some people, it's more severe. So that happens to all of us. And I think that 
points to the importance of having lived experiences being told more often and listening mm-hmm. about that. Um, and for those who are comfortable to tell their story, because it does give a voice to all of us. And, um, mm-hmm. t- and also, it doesn't perpetuate that stereotype. You, you know, as you said that, you know, you're talking about how everyone deals with body image and, you know, that that type of mentality. You know, I was I was looking back. I was like, I mean, that was me. Mm-hmm. You know, like what I especially it's actually funny is worse when I was bodybuilding because <laughs> you're seeing all these top individuals and, you you know, I want to be on stage and look like that, too. And and you're working so hard. But then, you know, oh, man, you know, my ab didn't look like this or or and you start there's certain things that go into your mind when you get a little bit of, you get a little bit more fat and you start wondering, Oh man, is that the value that I'm adding to my life? Just because I just uh, may have gained a little bit of weight here and there. And so I, I think you're, you're absolutely right in that regard that many people deal with this. I think um, a lot, especially as a man, uh, most men do not like to say that they deal with this at all. Uh, but it's, but it's definitely, and maybe you're right. It's, uh, it's the whole thing about the media is only shown as a, as a young white, um, little girl who's dealing with those type of issues. And so imagine a big, uh, big black guy out here try, <laughs> trying to express, oh, uh, I deal with body shame issues too. So it's, yeah. I, I think, yeah, the, the narrative has to change. I think the narrative has to change around this. Um, so what exactly are you doing in that regard uh, through either your personal your your personal um, branding uh, or through your nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like one thing that you just said about, um, you know, like thinking about, oh, like maybe I put on a few, few pounds and how that equates to my worth, you know. Mm-hmm. So that kind of in answering this question and kind of makes me think about my personal work and what I wanted it to be about. And yeah. it really is helping people find that piece of worth, because I think a lot of this stuff is so deeply ingrained in us from a young age. And we may, you know, be kind of going through the motions as we go through life. And then we're coping in different ways. And we all have healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms. So if you have that deep sense of self-worth and self-love from a young age, we see a lot less of unhealthy coping or mental illness. So for me on a, a my side gig, my um, self-love coaching, um, my goal is to help people find that for themselves through using um, strategies in their life day to day that work for them to help increase their self-worth, to help them cope in healthy ways, things like um, fueling themselves properly and mm-hmm. tuning into their body and using meditation and mindfulness to help them get there um, to utilize things like journal and getting outdoors and moving their bodies in ways that make them feel good. Not necessarily all about weight loss. Yeah. That's really what um, is that's important really for me. Yeah. That's really good. It's very admirable. I think so many people focus on the, the weight loss part, but you're, you're focusing on the mind. On yeah. The, the, the heart of the matter that that the weight loss will come, you know, but it, it, to help someone to feel that they know that they're valued, that they know that they're worthy. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the key right there. Yeah. Cause otherwise you'll end up 
what often happens with an eating disorder client or someone who is has body image concerns is mm-hmm. they're always looking externally, right? So they're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, what diet can I go on? Or and then you res- they're restricting, and then they maybe mess it up a little bit and say, oh, I cheated. I'm gonna have to restart. Oh, I feel really <laughs> negative about myself now. I let myself down. Um, I feel negative about myself. So what can I do externally? Oh, I'll work out more. Um, mm-hmm. Or and then oh, I really messed it all up at Christmas because I ate so much food and now I feel really bad about that. So it's this, this constant cycle. Whereas if you're looking internally and really thinking, what is this about for me? Why do I have to attain this certain weight? Do I not feel enough? I mean, it's really complex. Obviously, guidance from a counselor would make it really yeah. helpful as well because Absolutely. every every story is so different. But it, you can end up in that cycle. Um, and I kind of, I guess I just want to help people earlier prevent them from going through that cycle constantly. Like I said, that's, that's very admirable. Uh, it's amazing that you're doing that because uh, people need someone who's going to care for them in this way, who who's not just looking once again at the, at the external, but is helping them with their mind, body, and soul. Do you have any examples like of people you have helped of uh, a story that you can, that you can sh- share with us? Uh, not necessarily going into detail of names or, or where they're from, but something uh, just showing us um, a story of what you've been able to help someone dealing with uh, eating disorders. Um, so the way I help people is more through um, like the nutritional counseling piece of okay. it. So more um, a lot of people with eating disorders have fear foods or mm-hmm. um, they're not comfortable eating certain foods or they find them triggering things mm-hmm. like that, or um, they need to be having that exposure. So I feel like um, working them with someone one-on-one, I've, help them kind of uh, come around the other end where they feel like they can eat all kinds of foods. Whereas, for example, what one person I worked with, their fear food was chips. And every time they saw chips or every time they brought it to um, the couch with them, they all went like, we're all gone by the after after they sat. So um, basically, they deem that a fear food. So at the end of the time working with them, they were able to eat chips comfortably and feel good about it you know so um it this doesn't happen overnight obviously but that's that's the type of thing that um i do with the clients what what is like you said it doesn't take it doesn't happen overnight but how long does that take for someone to to go from that type of fear to Mm -hmm. to being okay with with who they are and where they're at yeah that's highly individual i would say but um with eating disorders, we often say recovery is ongoing. It's it's mm. there's like no cure to an eating disorder, and it's constant work, right? Um, but someone could see improvements within, I mean, a year, more, mm. or um, but it is quite a journey. I would say like six months to a year for sure. Wow. Um, and then it's constant work, right? It's it's there's no cure, but right. things get better, and you can come to a place where you do love yourself and you can consume all kinds of foods in a healthy way. Um, but it's keeping that hope that you will get there and having good supports around you too is really important. So the whole village aspect is huge when it comes to people with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And how many, how many times are you meeting with this individual? Like let's say once, twice, three times, is it depending on each 
specific case or do you typically have uh, a certain amount that you that you do no matter what? Um, so yeah, it's pretty, to begin, it's quite frequent and it's always recommended that they have also counseling at the same time as they're seeing someone for a dietitian. So usually they're seeing, you know, counseling two to one time a week, um, and then me one time a week as well. So, and it's at the beginning, pretty frequent as, as well. And then you kind of peter off based on how that person's doing and what they're comfortable with. Um, and also to test out what they've learned because yeah. uh, you, you can give them all that information and, and, and walk through it, but then you have to go in life and see what's working, True. what's not, what's not working. Um, but with eating disorders, it's pretty intense with treatment right out the, right out the gate. So mm-hmm. um, that's what's recommended for sure. Okay. What can you can you go through some of those misconceptions that a, a lot of us may have about eating disorders, um, including myself? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I have a lot in my head because <laughs> most of the knowledge that I have is not necessarily research based, but it's what I'm from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, why don't you why don't you go through that a little bit for us, please? Yeah. So um, one of them is what we already talked about is how they don't discriminate. So a lot Mm. of people think that it's just that one demographic, but that's not true. Um, Another one that's maybe like lesser known is that um, it could have to do with food security as well. So it could start off with maybe someone doesn't have access to really good food and then they get, they gain that access after maybe improving their financial situation and they have all this food and it's like almost overwhelming situation to them. Or what Mm -hmm. we've seen throughout the pandemic is um, that, um, you know, we had to, we health, health, public officials were telling us, you know, go to the grocery store once and do a big buy. And then, then they're at home with all this food and that's really triggering for them too. So even food, food security and, and the pandemic, things like that have had an influence on eating disorders as well. Um, I even think about that. That's yeah, and also not not having our supports on top of that, you know, being alone right. in your home with this food. Another one might be um, sometimes people call and say, oh, I'm too big to have an eating disorder. But that's not true at all. You could come in any shape or size and binge eating disorder. Perhaps we do p- see people in larger bodies as well. Um, so it doesn't matter what you look like once again. Um, I'm trying to think. Another one is that age piece um, that people don't realize that it's happening so young um, and mm. that that young people are picking up on this information about body image. How, how young are we talking about? Um, so as young as four to five years old, not Stop eating. Just, not, so not oh, diagnosable, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not diagnosable oh, eating disorders, but I mean yeah. um, making a uh, concrete ideas about food weight shape they'll start comparing their bodies at four or five um and then at 10 they might start is when we see perhaps more of the behaviors beginning like dieting or skipping meals things like that um yeah so that's that's all that's coming to mind right now but there's probably more out there too or if you have any myths or misconceptions or thoughts that come to mind, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Let, let me ask you this, though. Um, does does parenting, do you feel like parenting deals uh, or 
or has links to some people having eating disorders in in the future? So, I mean, what I'll say is our environment is definitely one of those things that contributes because we look at different factors in someone's life, things like cultural environment, social environment, family, individual factors that put you at risk. Like we might see more perfectionism or risk taking. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of family, I'll say, you know, we are all raised in and in different ways that yeah. impact our ideas about food and what's right and what's healthy and what's not. True. Um, so if someone if in your home you're you're always told that having quote unquote junk food is bad, um, you might grow you grow up with that concept, and every time you consume certain junk food, it, you feel negative about yourself. And then if there's other stressors or other factors at play, you might have a greater um, chance, perhaps, or susceptibility. Um, we do know that when parents make comments about their body or about other people's bodies, that the child internalizes that and applies it to them as they're growing up. So it might not even be about that kid's body, but because mom or dad is saying that, that that is desirable, they do take those things to heart um, at quite a young age because they're concrete thinkers. They're not really abstract thinkers at that time, so they'll apply it to themselves. So some recommendations we do make are things like um, when mom's saying, oh, 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 I look fat in these jeans or, um, Mm. like my muffin top, I really got to start working out. The kid Mm. then is thinking that's bad. Then I need to start working out, you know, like if they see it on themselves. So it's something to keep in mind. We do educate parents, especially, you know, that mother daughter relationships, a big one. We tell Mm. them, you know, rather than, um, it's better to not say anything at all sometimes, or to provide that healthy information about, you know, eating all kinds of foods. Like, you know, you want those foods on Canada's food guide because they give us a lot of nutrition and energy. Yeah. But it's okay to have the treats sometimes because those are fun and give us a lot of pleasure. And maybe use some neutral language around food too, like not so bad food, good food. Rather, um, let's have sometimes foods and then uh, everyday foods. Or just call the food by its name, right? So, mm. um that yeah, it is really important thing for caregivers or teachers to keep these things in mind because kids really do take it to heart. You're you're really speaking to me right now, Stephanie. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> Glad. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. I'm like I'm listening to you. I'm just like, oh man. That's, <laughs> I well, I have literally said some of it's. I was going to yeah. say, um, it, it's it's usually well-intended. So parents are doing things very well-intended, trying to, um, you know, provide that healthy information to their kids about, oh, that's bad or that's good. It's just we need to adjust a little bit um, because what we're seeing is that mm-hmm. this is having a nev- negative impact on their relationships with food. Not everyone, but it can. Um, So it's just adjusting language, maybe not making so many comments about bodies, things such as that. But it's usually well-intended what parents are doing. So I'm not faulting you at all. The the truth is this. I I do have – and, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, just know I'm being very vulnerable right now. But I do have – when it comes to, like, body image, I'm always looking to – 
I know I might not always be at the best, but I'm always looking to be at the best. And so I'll look, I'll be like, oh man, you know, my chest is not, or yeah, I got, I got them love handles and you know, or I, I gotta get rid of that or whatever the case may be. And, and especially as you were saying, the more you say those things and your child is looking and then he, he or she says, oh, well, you know, whenever they get that, they'll be like, oh, well, this is a very negative thing. And so and, and it's, I, I just think it's, what what you're telling me right now, what you're telling us, it's just very, it's very informative because we we sometimes don't realize what we're saying. We don't we don't realize what that even the things that we say about ourselves can hurt uh, someone else later on down the road. Yeah. And so what you've just done for me is helped me to be more conscious of the things that I'm saying, especially around my child. Yeah. Because um, if if he thinks that I think it's bad and, and he's looking up to me and he's looking up to daddy and, and then what if he does that? What if he has this or what, what if he does something like that? Would he be able to, to come to me or would, or would he feel ashamed or would he feel also that sense of, of, of self-worth, you know, decreasing or, or his value decreasing in that sense. So thank like really like I'm no, no joke at all. Thank you so much. This is, this is it's already also, so blessed uh, a blessing for me. Oh, thanks. I was going to say it's also important to be kind to yourself throughout all of yeah, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's I mean, we all have those days where we wake up and we're like, "Oh my god, I don't feel good about my body today." And mm-hmm. it's all it's going to happen and almost even telling our youth about that too like it's okay mm-hmm. that you feel negative about your body some days in terms of because we all have those issues yeah it's when it starts impacting someone's life to an extent like their social life or their work environment where they can't function and like the obsessiveness over it be that's when it becomes an issue um too so i say that i just want you to know that we all have those days right and it's going to happen and we're all learning to try to love ourselves a little bit more every day. True. True. Yeah. Uh, have you dealt with um, that, that yourself in, in a personal way as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not immune. I don't think anyone can say that they have never felt bad about their yeah, body. Fair right? Um, yeah, fair but I think finally, I say finally because it's such a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I I do look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm going to find one thing that I like, even if I'm having a bad day, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I will say it takes effort. Like it's, it's not going to, it's not an easy process, this self-love thing. And I don't know if anyone told us that when we we're growing up, you know, you're going to have to actually put effort into loving yourself. It's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I look through your I've looked through your website and everything of the sort and I want to make sure we plug that in here too but I mean, I mean for I have seen some nutritionists by the way who who's who know what they're talking about about nutrition but I don't know if they necessarily apply that uh to their to their own lives as well. Um mm. have have you and, and you know what that could be in many different different professions i mean let's let's be real here for a second i have caused many people to go to counseling i well actually i'm gonna rephrase that i have (laughs) told people (laughs) 
to go to counseling with yeah. my profession, not cost. Uh, and and many and many people have been blessed because of them going to counseling. Uh, but yet, I've only been to one counseling session in my life. Uh, mm. That was after the the um, the well, yeah. I, I, this was after the death of my daughter, and so I I only went to one counseling session. And till this day, uh, that's actually one of my goals in 2021 is to seek out a complete therapist. You know, yeah. someone who I can go to on a regular basis. Um, so that being said. Sometimes we say we know what what needs to be said. We even tell people to do certain yes. things, but we don't always do it ourselves. Um, have you found that to be an issue with nutrition uh, in general uh, as as a as a uh, profession? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. And in the beginning, I also felt almost like yeah, like a fraud sometimes. But I think, mm-hmm. and I think everyone feels a degree to that when they're just beginning in their career as well. Absolutely. Um, but that's I that was a sign to me that like it was not everything wasn't in alignment yet. And then mm-hmm. now I f- feel as though the work I'm doing and the message I'm putting out there is more in alignment because mm-hmm. it, I'm not saying that you know go ge- eat everything all the time. Um, but I'm saying find your balance and tune into your body and, and figure out what works for you. And -hmm. that's what I do now too. Whereas before I was saying, this is your meal plan and only eat this. But like, sometimes that was unsustainable for me too. So there was like that misalignment. Um, and maybe some nutritionists out there can do that, but that's not how I want to live my life. (laughs) I want to be able to enjoy all kinds of foods, right? And um, so, yeah, I would say for sure there's been a point where maybe it wasn't congruent, but now I do find I'm in a place that the messaging and what I'm putting out there aligns with the actions that I take as well. Mm. Stephanie, let's say even for myself or for a parent, for a teacher, for a friend, uh, whoever it is, how could we support someone dealing with an eating disorder? And the other question I have is, how do we sometimes hurt people dealing with eating disorders when we, uh, mm-hmm. even if we might not necessarily try to hurt them? So it's kind of a dualistic question here. How do we, how are we able to be supportive and how do we sometimes hurt? Yeah, to answer um maybe the portion about hurting someone, it it could be um, pushing them a little bit too hard to seek out help because a big part of this is readiness. And, you know, someone needs to be ready to reach out for help. So I know a lot of well-intended moms or dads think something is going on perhaps with their, you know, adolescent child and they'll push them to go at help where it can be if they're not ready for that, they're not going to put in the effort to get help, you know? So um, not pushing anyone, but being there as that source of support and saying, when you're ready, if you do want to talk about something, I'm here and that's at any time, let me know. And kind of just being that source of support is really important. Also making comments about food or bodies um, can be harmful. So saying, oh, why don't you just eat? Or um, why don't you just stop throwing up? 
oh, that's it's not that simple, right? Um, and that sounds re- maybe a little bit ridiculous, but if you didn't know an eating disorder is going on, but maybe you had a, a an inkling, you could people do say those things. So comments about food or bodies, um, in general, mm. I just say maybe steer clear of that. Pushing someone to eat is something that we don't want to do either. Um, and in terms of right. other support, you can. We say don't be the therapist, but be that source of support or that act as a friend and don't go beyond your limits, but know that you're – tell them, like, I can go to that first appointment with you or I can make the call. Um, I'm here to listen. I, I – you know, I don't mm-hmm. – if you don't want me to say anything, I won't say anything. Or if you want me to talk the whole time, I will. It's asking that person really what they need. Um, and that's with all mental health, I think. And it's just being there to listen to them and being that source of support that they can go to that when they are ready, they'll come to you. Um, Yeah, I know there's a lot more that I could probably say to that, but I'll just leave it at that. Can you give us maybe a couple of signs as well for us to be able to say, you know, this person could be dealing with an eating disorder? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some different signs and symptoms could be um, changes in mood for sure because, and I mean, that can be applied to a lot of things, but one thing to consider, um, also if you're not consuming foods, you do get emotionally hangry. And um, (laughs) yeah, so that, um, if we're seeing rapid changes in weight, obviously, if someone's hiding their body frequently or wearing baggy clothing in order to, to... hide the changes in weight as well. Um, Sometimes we say if um, they're body checking quite a bit, so maybe they pass a window, but they have to look at what their body's uh, looking like, or if they're preoccupied with looking in the mirror at every chance they get, Um, preoccupied with numbers as well. So that could be their own weight, uh, calories in a certain food, grams of fat, things like that. Um, and yeah, there's quite a bit more of signs and symptoms, but those are some of the more common ones. Um, oh, hiding of food as well. So sometimes we like a lot of this applies to more of like that anorexia and bulimia, but binge eating disorder is another, um, it could be they're hiding their food or they're really secret about the food that they're consuming or they'll eat it alone. Um, there's a lot of secrecy there. I'll say this, um, and I, I want to touch a little, just a little bit on this. Um, your your website, first of all, is, is phenomenal. It's Thanks. it's so it it's so um how do I put this to words? It makes you feel like it's a breath of fresh air. Thank <laughs> uh, so, you. You know, when someone comes on, I'm pretty sure that they feel good even coming onto it. By the way, you look great in general. Um, so even, so as so I don't think that the whole thing I just said about nutrition is applies to you because you actually look like you've been really taking care of yourself in that sense. Um, but I, I'm, I'm looking through here, I'm looking at your, your services and we're, we're looking at, uh, certain things that you have. Can you just walk us through your, your, your website, what you offer to people, what you, what you um what you what you want to give to individuals as well to anyone who's listening uh just just to plug that in i want to make sure you you get plugged in as as much as possible here that's so kind of you about the re the breath of fresh air thing because 
I feel like that's how I want it to feel as well. So mm-hmm. I'm, I take that as a real big compliment. Well, there and, you go. Yeah, that airy feeling um, and um, that tuning into self feeling yeah. is what I want to bring forth. Um, so the website is stephaniefank.com, and I'm sure Brian mm-hmm. will put that in the show notes when he puts this up and um, you will find there that you can um, immediately sign up for a 10 minute meditation and it's a self love meditation. So that'll get you on my list. But some of the services that I do provide are um, one being one-on-one consults and I do those all virtually now. Um, And I do do a a brief screener before that because I want to ensure it's a good fit for both of us because I I do Mm. operate in a way that's not maybe like a traditional nutritionist. It's more of a counseling session and there's homework involved. Um, So I will put that disclaimer out there that I'm, it's not about meal plans. It's more about um, working on our body image and what, and teaching you how to tune into what feels good for you for what you're consuming every day and maybe implementing mm-hmm. some lifestyle practices too. Um, okay. Another thing that I sometimes offer on my website is um, an online course where it's kind of a primer to all of the things that I would go more in depth with with you in a session. Um, but it talks about intuitive eating principles and gets into some of those exercises um, that you could do independently. So not working with anyone, but it's not live right now. Right now it's um, uh, January of 2021, but it should be live again in spring of 2021 is when I'll okay. open it up again. Um, and then I'll also just note because of the work I do in eating disorders and my other role, um, that say you're in Canada and you want to learn more about eating disorders, there is the National Eating Disorder Information Center or netic.ca. Um, okay. and they have a, a roster of all eating disorder organizations and clinicians across the country. So no matter where you are, you can put in where you are and then gain more accurate information of how you could seek out help in your community. Awesome. Amazing. And you also do public speaking. Is that correct? Yeah. So that's a big part of the job um, that I do at BANA. And Mm -hmm. I have done it in the past um, independently. I haven't done one in a while because BANA keeps me pretty occupied with that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, but yes, yeah, I do. Stephanie, I must say, everything that you've told us today, uh, you've been able to show us some 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 myths, some misconceptions, some things that we may have thought, and and really enlightened us as to to what is really happening uh, in with this pandemic of of, of eating disorders. Uh, and, and to add, I must say, this episode has also edified me tremendously uh definitely taking some some tips as to use for our own personal life i even uh i i subscribe to your to your email listing you know i'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what this is what this is gonna do because i i think you have a lot to to bring to the table a lot of value to add and uh for anyone who is dealing with with uh eating disorder you know make sure you make sure you you tell someone you know even even if you 
if you need seek seek help you know um for instance stephanie Finkannon is here for for that person purpose you know um there there are there are many services out there to to help us and to help people in general dealing with certain certain issues and so just make sure that you that you're being willing to 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 speak about it don't keep that in the closet don't keep that back to yourself because it's only going to hurt you more. I, I, and so, Stephanie, thank you for, for first of all, being the person who has allowed something that's happened to their lives to to get them to this place where you're helping people in this avenue. I actually don't know too many people who work in the realm of eating disorders, so I so I think it's very. I once I've used this word a few times in this episode. It's very admirable. It's very helpful. Um, and, and so, and thank you for, for being on this show and teaching us more. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to come back and talk more about it. And I really like what you ended it off saying that, um, you know, reach out if you are struggling. Sometimes we say like, even if you have a little inkling of Mm. like, "Mm, yeah, that might sound like me, it's better to just, you know, check it out and uh, maybe go see a therapist or even chat with a therapist online um, because you're not alone. And a lot of people ask, how can I help someone struggling? And we always say, you're not the therapist, but you can be a friend and be that source of support. So that could mean reaching out with them for the first time or going to the appointment or making that first step with them, just listening, being a supportive friend is the, is the key there. So um, I just wanted to finish with that too, because it's a common question we do get as well. If, if there's a, over a million people dealing with this, there's probably someone we know who is dealing with eating disorders. So it's, it's very important for us to know how to, to be a support. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Uh, once again, you've brought so much uh, value to this podcast, uh, to myself, and to every listener that's here. We really appreciate you coming on. And like you said, looking forward to having you come on again as well. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me once again. I can't wait to um, further our connection online. And I hope everyone else listening um, checks out my website and follows me at at Stephanie Fink as well. Awesome. Thank you again, Stephanie. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Madcasters. Please remember, do what you were called to bring into this world. Find a way to make a difference in your life and in someone else's life today, even if that's just one thing. Follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and become a Patreon supporter. Tune in next Thursday as we continue to grow and inspire because... This is the launch pad for you to go mad.